It's been two years since the liability shift around EMV has pushed retailers and financial institutions towards adopting chip-enabled cards and terminals. That shift is also affecting cybercriminals, as it is forcing them to move into different areas of fraud, said Monica Eaton-Cardone, the co-founder and COO of Chargeback911. On this episode of the CyberChat, we talked to Monica about the adoption of EMV technology, how organizations can defend against payment card fraud, and how the fraud landscape is changing and will continue to shift in the future. Let's get started by talking about probably the biggest anti-fraud event or whatever you want to call it from the past few years, the adoption of EMV. It's been just over two years now since the fraud liability shifted for retailers and chip cards are continuing to become more widespread. For example, I just saw a report from Visa in June that said 50% of storefronts now accept these chip-enabled cards. And that same report also said that merchants who upgraded to EMV saw their counterfeit fraud dollars drop 58% from the previous year. So just with that as a backdrop, kind of wanted to get your thoughts on EMV in general and how it's impacting fraud. So EMV obviously has has really... Um reduce fraud, especially in terms of, you know, limiting the the amount of um, loopholes that are available for a criminal uh, when it comes to stealing that, the information on a mag stripe or from a physical card. So for store present, in other words, when you have your physical card and you're going to make a transaction, whether you're swiping it at a gas station um, or inserting that card anywhere, um, there is there's been a lot of stolen credit card numbers. In fact, the the numbers continue to rise. So the whole game plan for EMV is to replace that stripe mechanism, which is easily stolen, with a chip. And then the chip works kind of like a mini database where it's like a handshake. Um, so you're exchanging data. It's very, very difficult to duplicate, if not impossible at this point, because it's like you have to create a little tiny computer. Um, and it allows for instant authentication, which means you you have to use the actual card. You couldn't just steal a mag stripe and put it on another card or decode it like you could previously do without EMV. So with these chips, currently about it's about 50% of all of the store present uh, faces or merchants in the, the U.S. have now adopted a chip-enabled terminal. The problem is, so to answer your question, yes, it's reduced fraud significantly by reducing those the, the mag stripes from being stolen. However, the issue is that those fraudsters aren't going to decide that they're going to retire being a criminal. Unfortunately, what has happened is that all of that criminal activity has just migrated to the online environment. So as a result, we're noticing, which is exactly how it happened in Europe when they produced um, EMV technology, but as a result, we're noticing criminals flocking to e-commerce ways for fraud. This includes stealing card data, figuring out um, different ways and scams um, of, of of getting card information. And in, in a way, it would be like, let's say that you were buying a product from China and you sold that product to all of your customers. Well, you still have those customers and they still have a demand. And China tells you, sorry, you can no longer import products from China. Well, you're not going to decide, okay, I'm going out of business. You're going to find that product somewhere else. 
So maybe you're going to go to Taiwan or Japan or a different place. That's what has happened with the criminal activity as it relates to credit card fraud. EMV has eliminated, almost eliminated, the the fraud that criminals had previously related to store store present activity or a physical card, but they haven't gotten out of business in terms of being a criminal. They've just migrated to a different source, and that's online. Well, you mentioned that 50% of the storefronts now accept these chip-enabled cards. But looking at, I guess, the more pessimistic view, that means there's still 50% that do not. And I know, uh, for example, earlier this year, Chipotle, they announced a, a point-of-sale breach. And there had been reports previously that the restaurant chain said that they didn't want to upgrade their systems due to the increased payment times for customers. So, I mean, obviously, there's this shift happening, um, but there's still plenty of opportunity for these uh, old school, I guess, if you want to call it payment card fraud methods. So just wondering your your thoughts on that. You know, I mean, ideally, in order to be able to eradicate a problem, you really need to have consistent adoption, 100%. Um, so we don't have that. Uh, it's it's unfortunate, but when when you institute a change like EMV, it's not a simple one. It's not just the expense of switching out a terminal, but it also may include completely reprogramming the way that you process transactions, getting upgrading new software for your entire business, um, and really managing that entire transaction chain. Uh, so, so definitely, there's there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to making that switch. That high. Uh, obstacle with the the barrier and and all of that expense has really been cost prohibitive for a lot of merchants, unfortunately, and probably the largest segment of merchants that hasn't gotten on board to adopt this change has been the gas stations. So if you imagine, like you go to a gas station, when is the last time that you inserted your chip in the to to fill up your car? Like you didn't, right? You just swiped it. So imagine the expense that that gas station would have to undergo to completely replace that terminal. It's it's not it's not a small one. <laughs> so it just it will take time, but the fact that we've had, you know, c- more consistent adoption, this is what's happening, which is really cool. So we have enough adoption, enough people, enough merchants are making that transition that it's already scared a lot of the the cr- the criminals who were preying on these card-present ways of stealing cards, and they've already started leaving that market. So in many ways, even though it's only 50%, we're, we're kind of, we're getting a lot of, we're getting the benefit because that trend um, is scaring away uh, the crime. I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, point-of-sale vendors uh, and payment card processors because like, for example, earlier this summer, Sabre Hospitality Solutions announced that it experienced a breach. And every morning I go on and I check the state breach notification sites, and I'm still seeing a steady trickle of, you know, different hospitality organizations that are, you know, putting out breach notification letters uh, because of that vendor. Um, you know, and then last year there was uh, a breach related to Oracle's Micros POS system. So i um, just wondering how these connected organizations can really defend against that, because really it's these third-party breaches so often that are causing a lot of these organizations to experience payment card breaches. 
so your question is how can they defend against a breach like that? Yeah, I'm just wondering, yeah, what, I mean, an organization, they look at, you know, some of these recent breaches involving kind of the supply chain. I'm just wondering, I mean, is there anything they can do to help against that? Uh, so uh, uh, oftentimes, if, if you're dealing with a breach, um, then this is something that's related to software. Uh, so, you know, it's not necessarily, if, if you have EMV, it's not something that's going to to reduce the amount of fraud. Um, but if you, if you take a look at what happens behind, um, those mechanisms, you're storing the car data, you have a bunch of data. A lot of this is related to an e-commerce system or something that is online. Um, the, the best way to help reduce a threat of a breach is to make sure that number one, you need to make sure that you are updating all of your technology. Um, just like you have, you know, a phone or a computer and updates get pushed to it. Um, it's extremely important if you have any type of transaction processing software that it's continuously updated. There's always new threats. There's malware attacks. There's all sorts of things that are out there. And for businesses that operate uh, these software solutions, we we can't operate thinking that the latest version or the you know the version that we downloaded six months ago is fine because it hasn't broke it, it's not broken it really needs to be this is a continuous development process and the world continues to change there's new loopholes that expose um and and all of that and then the second thing is to create a layered uh approach for helping to identify risk and threat and ultimately um detect fraud so layered means that you don't just have one strategy. So it's like not just one line of defense. Maybe your first line of defense is you use software, you make sure that that software has updated patches and that it's totally you know, up to date and shielding you against the latest, greatest threats. But then you have another layer. And maybe that other layer is a manual review process where you know every every week or every day or every month or whenever then you have someone who understands uh, the the components, you know, in in your business, and they inspect the transaction trends, and they look for suspicious behavior, and they also look, you know, at firewall activity and monitor um, some of these threats. There's things that software can help us do to monitor th- to monitor um, additional weaknesses, but it's not a real replacement for a set of human eyeballs that are going to look for patterns that the, a computer may not detect. Um, and then, so you have layered technology, you have updates. And then third, I would say the, the third thing is to, to really make sure that there is a key focus that is placed on protecting your data. A great standard to follow is within the, the PCI standards. And these this is like the the set the standard for all of the car data and customer data, and it helps you to identify and really assess how secure is your system, how secure is your premise in terms of of collecting data, keeping that data safe, um, and preventing any types of breaches. Yeah, and I wanted to get your thoughts on some of the other kinds of fraud. You, I mean, we're talking about the how it shifted towards e-commerce a little bit. And here at Surfwatch Labs, we've seen growth and fraud related to all the uh, all the online services. You know, there's Amazon, Netflix, and hundreds of other 
smaller services that are connected to payment card information. Um, so just wondering your thoughts kind of in general on, you know, some of these fraud shifts and what consumers organizations can, can do or what they can expect in the future. Sure. Sure. So, so, you know, I always, I always have to laugh when I hear, um, you know, when it comes, when it comes to fraud, then, uh, because we specialize in detecting fraud for chargebacks, of course. And I get, well, you know, if you're, if you have such a good solution, then aren't you like going to put yourself out of business at one point? Well, unfortunately, when it comes to fraud, this is a never ending situation. As soon as you plug five holes, you find there's 25 more that just created out of nowhere. And one of the perplexing, um, uh, predicators here that we're dealing with is the fact that we have an evolving industry with so many new technologies. So whenever you have new technology, by default, it's not tested. <laughs> it's new. It's, it's cool. It's shiny. It does all of these awesome things. And guess what? It has loopholes. There is going to be fraud. There is going, you're going to have to pay attention to it even more. It probably is new because it's solving a problem. Maybe it's plugging a hole that was previously there as a gap for fraudsters. But just because it plugs that hole doesn't mean that it created two others that maybe we never even saw before. And we've seen this happen with Apple Pay when it, when it first came out. Um, so I think one of the best things that a business owner can do, um, you know, with e-commerce in looking at, you know, protecting yourself from fraud is making sure that you understand this is not a static problem to solve. This is a dynamic one. Uh, so, you know, the same types of rules apply. Uh, you know, make make sure that that you uh, have updated software. You keep everything updated. You're using a layered approach. So you have, you're not just relying on one uh, one tier of defense. You know, you have some, some different uh, monitoring la- layers. Some of those should be technical. Um, others should be uh, software-based. Um, and, and third, you should definitely make sure that you, you have a set of human eyeballs checking this stuff. Um, using new technology is fantastic, but we can't take it for granted that new means it's, it's without air. Um, we really need to take responsibility of the fact that, you know, when it comes to this evolving world that we have, our mission as an industry is to continue to remove friction and make the entire process faster. And as when you're focused on speed, you're probably not as focused on security. So maintaining that balance really can be a, a, a life-saving item when it, when it comes to protecting uh, your business from liability. Yeah, then my final question is, you know, we're talking a lot about how things are changing. So just wondering if you have any thoughts on how things are going to change or shift in the fraud landscape, you know, looking forward. So one of the things, one of the trends that we see, uh, we have uh, the card schemes, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover. So starting with Visa, there's a lot of changes that are currently in place, regulatory changes and guideline changes. And what we're seeing is that um, the the card networks are starting to really recognize that the world is transforming into a digital dev- environment. and the it's no longer cash is king, it's really data is king. So everything is all about data. Well, as we migrate to more and more data, then 
we're going to get smarter with intelligent solutions. More machine learning is going to be in place. Um, I can I could see blockchain uh, methods being utilized in in a greater um, spectrum, and I think as a result, we will start to see more fraud from. Um, I guess less less likely sources. Uh, so, for example, um, the more the more technical that we can create um, an aspect in being able to identify fraud, because we're increasing all the authentication and we're creating this digital environment where we're able to track all this data in real time, we're going to help close a whole lot of loopholes for criminals. Well, those criminals are probably going to start migrating and focusing on stealing data, not necessarily credit card data, but probably just consumer data, because that's actually becoming more and more valuable. So the target of fraud is changing. A credit card will not be worth very much uh, and definitely fail, fail in comparison to, you know, information about the buying habits or, you know, the particulars that surround a certain um, consumer's behavior. Uh, Because with that behavior, then you can sell that consumer advertising. You can convert uh, details. You can can learn about them and and, uh, basically uh, impersonate them in other ways. But it's not really the same as identity theft. So I think that type of fraud will end up changing. But we'll also start to see a migration of other fraud, which we're already seeing. This will continue to increase. And that is something called friendly fraud. And this is a, this is a behavior that we're seeing. It's increased by 41% over the last two years alone. This type of fraud is the most unsuspected and hardest to identify because it is committed by an innocent, oftentimes innocent consumer. And really what happens, the consumer buys a product online. It's a faceless transaction. There's no, you know, there's, there's no person that's attached to that transaction. Let's say I buy something from Amazon. Now I'm dissatisfied with that purchase for whatever reason. And because I'm a savvy consumer and I know how everything works and everything is right at my fingertips, I have on my cell phone, my Capital One account. If I'm dissatisfied with that purchase from Amazon, I'm just going to click on that dispute button. Now I clicked on that dispute button. I got a refund. You know what? I still have the product. And Amazon is getting hit with a fraud charge for that. So this is a type of behavior that we're seeing increase substantially because it's one of those areas that is kind of hard to identify because we don't want to, we don't want to actually point a finger at the actual customer committing fraud. But what happens with any fraudster is if you if you experience a reward for a negative behavior and if that reward is linked to money, then what happens is it repeats. Um, so these are things also I see as trends that merchants will need to become very adept um, to start to recognize. Uh, you know, rather than strictly looking at some of the more traditional confines of criminal activities. They need to start reclassifying how does fraud look and what does fraud really mean? At the end of the day, fraud means that, you know, you're, you're really losing money in for something that you didn't do anything wrong. Someone took advantage of you. (laughs) Either one side or another, somebody is there, there was a criminal activity and it shouldn't have happened. 
so when there's that that type of liability, we have to be able to assess the situation, identify the source. And I think this will this will be a challenge as we grow and hopefully more and more merchants will start to become aware and and we can help slow down the progression of this statistic. The CyberChat Podcast is brought to you by Surfwatch Labs. Surfwatch Labs helps organizations and service providers quickly establish a strategic cyber threat intelligence operation that drives more effective use of their tactical defenses. For more information on cyber risk intelligence, check out surfwatchlabs.com. <laughs>